very good at sacrificing. Uh, but the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay? And, um, you know, and it refers to First uh, Samuel 15, where, remember the story about Saul, he was asked to, uh, you know, slaughter, he had to kill all the enemies, but when after the battle, Saul kept the best, mm-hmm. for the sake of God, of course, you know, going to give it to God, you know, like, never mind, you know, that poor old God, we need to keep the best for him, you know, because God is so poor, okay? But the thing is that uh, when, uh, he, when, when, when Samuel comes to Saul, um, God, no, sorry, Saul actually says to Samuel, I've done everything that you asked me to do. Mm-hmm. No, so, and I don't think he was lying. I think he was thinking, I have done what I was supposed to do. And it gives me, it's given the challenge, as anyone who's married, have you, you know, I remember at the end of it, many times, uh, or other people I talked to, it's like, yeah, but you said that. Yeah, but that's not what I meant. Or I, I, I don't know about, have you ever seen, read a book twice? And sometimes the second time you read the book, oh, oh I didn't see that there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, and so, and it's the same thing with when God uh, uh, speaks to you, write it down. Because many of times the way we hear what God is saying to us is very often dictated by where we are at that moment of time. So that if you write it down, and you, so you hear something, and then maybe you realize a few days later when you're reading it again, what, what God spoke to you, you realize maybe it was something completely different. Because now maybe you're not so emotional. Now you're maybe not in whatever state you are in. Now maybe you're more calm and so on. Like for me, when I'm in a personally involved, I don't dare uh, interpret what God is speaking to me because now emotions are talking. If I have a heart, if I have a desire for something, I'm telling you, I can only hear yes and amen. Okay, and that's where it's good to hear uh, to write it down so that you get it at a distance because you know you have to understand in one way when God speaks to us, He's objective. It's the, he, he says things, and but it's not what he says, it's very often, how do I hear? Okay? And, uh, and that's where, that, what's it, this preacher who said that, that uh, the, I think it was Jesus Christ who said that when he went to the doctor and uh, the doctor asked him, what is the most important organ? And he said, my ears. You know, I can't say it like him, I'm not as funny as him. Okay, he said, my ears. So the doctor looked at him and said, what do you mean, my ears? Yeah, my, my wife told me to go and see you. If I didn't have ears, I wouldn't have listened to my wife and I wouldn't be here. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, but, uh, so, it, so it is so important what we hear. Mm-hmm. I think it's too, uh, there's one translation with the Ethiopian eunuch when Philip comes to him in the desert and Philip asks him, how do you read? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting phrase, how do you read? Because of, you, we're living in a society today, a Christian uh, culture now, but this, uh, that it's been an inflation in how God speaks. Okay, but everyone heard everything and everything is just the uh, opposite. Uh, like if you took everything and said everything that God has said, I'm telling you, you would think God is really confused. You know, it's like when I became a young believer, 
So we had to, with deliverance ministry, it was really funny because when we were all gathered around praying and some was binding the devil, some was losing it and binding, losing, binding, losing. It was all a bit confusion, okay? And, uh, but anyway, so it's, back to, so it's so important. We know how to hear. And as I said many times to you, that uh, the kingdom of God is opposite to the kingdom of the world, okay? So like a teacher in the world, when we send our kids to school, it's the responsibility of the teacher to make the subject understandable for the student, okay? And as I used to think I was really brilliant when I was a young believer. I used to say, when God speaks to you, he will speak to you in a way you understand. I thought, oh, wow, that sounds really good. Actually, he don't. Okay, because in the kingdom of God, it's my responsibility to find out what the teacher says. Mm. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, mm. you know, come on, say that to a Jew, say, or say that to anyone, what is he on about? Mm. Okay, they, they didn't understand what he was saying at the time, but they realized that it was their responsibility to find out what did Jesus mean. That's why that the word of God, anywhere in the world, is the same word. So if you are Filipino, Danes, uh, Singaporean, you know, we all have a responsibility to find out what did God say to us. But if we do it from our perspective, when God speaks to you, when, and if we translate it into our culture, then suddenly we hear three different things. Okay? But if we realize it's my responsibility to understand what is God saying, then now it's, the Word of God is the same wherever you are in the world. So it's always our responsibility to find out what is God saying. Okay? And, uh, and, and I, I think that that's why if, if you see in the Bible, it's actually interesting that all, even Daniel, one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, uh, Moses even, you know, all of the prophets that God speaks to, they cannot interpret their own dreams because they are emotionally involved in it. Okay? So they, they think, oh, maybe that's fine. And you know, remember Joseph, he had a dream about his father and mother should bend their knees for him, and now it was the brothers and so on. And as I say, you know, don't. And the dream was right, but his interpretation was wrong. And because he went with a wrong interpretation, he went into all sorts of uh, horrible situations in his life. And I believe that's why, but because of God wants us to be dependent on one another. You know, I, I, God gave me a dream for, that is now 14 years ago now, I still don't know what it means. Okay? I, I still, you know, I, of course I can, my imagination can figure out something, but what I mean by, because if, when, you, when you're hitting what God's saying, it will manifest what he said. It's not just to entertain my imagination or, or make me uh, or, or tickle my intellect or so on. You have to understand God's word, when, when it's God's word and it's unlocked, it will always manifest what it says. Mm -hmm. Amen? Because of, it's not just about, you know, we're not living in a virtual Christianity. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that the kingdom, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means that when the Word of God is revealed, not just enlightened, revealed, 
it can be seen in our lives. Now, you and I, all, now, now all of us, we more or less, we know one another as Christians. But imagine if we have also known one another before we became Christians. We were probably completely different characters, different personalities, different whatever. So, but because when we had the revelation of that Jesus died for my sin and he was resurrected for my righteousness sake, we got transformed. Amen. Of course, we, we, it's difficult to see because we only known one another as when we were transformed. But we, but you can probably testify to yourself and say, you know, before I met Jesus, I was like this, and now I met Jesus, I'm like this. Okay, this is because the revelation can all, will always be manifest in the natural. Okay, but anyway, back to this thing. You know, I better read it. First Samuel 15. Um, I'm going to talk about obedience. Okay, and don't worry, God is not going to take anything away from you. <laughs> First time I, I, first time I was in my speech somewhere and I was talking about obedience, everyone barked their head. <laughs> it's like, because of, they had this image of obedience and so, and it was under the assumption of I'm not obedient. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Do you understand? Obedience, I, I hopefully when you see what I, if I, God gives me the grace to, to, to share it with, uh, bring it forth, is that it will, you will see it will empower you, okay? And, it's, and that is what the kingdom of God, you know, you have to say, God never takes away from you. Amen. Do you understand? He always acts. Yes. You know, remember, you know, remember when Jesus, he, you know, John the Baptist, he said, he shall increase and I shall decrease. I used to hear it like, I shall decrease so that he can increase. But it's not the way it works. It's like he shall increase now automatically. I decrease. Mm -hmm. That's the way around. Religion does it the other way around, that we have to do penance so that God can have his way. Mm -hmm. No, we, the, it's like uh, when you see God, when he increases, it's no issue about decreasing because you get consumed by him. You fall, when you fall in love with Jesus, you know, you don't you don't think about other things. That's the way it works. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so I, I give you uh, so let me just see because uh, uh, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter. Um, but anyway, so we can say we start with uh, verse six and fifteen. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites. So now, I don't know if you know, but when you read Amalekites in the Old Testament, it's often a metaphor for the flesh. Okay, so remember Saul, he didn't, didn't kill the Amalekites. Who killed the Amalekites? No, sorry, who killed Saul? An Amalekite. It's like when we don't deal with our flesh, the flesh will overpower us. Okay, anyway, this is a different sermon. And so... Uh, so go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you show kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up, of, uh, came up, came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until Val comes to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag 
and the best of the sheep, and the oxen of the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was wild and, and refused, that they destroyed utterly. I remember that, um, what is her name now? There was this famous preacher. She's very famous, but I can't remember her name. <laughs> now you must remember, you see, it was one who went to Hong Kong, missionary. Yeah, it's the one from, you know, the one who worked with the, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I remember I heard her once preach. I only heard her preach once. And she said this thing that God don't just want your sin. He wants your everything. Okay. And, and I think one of the temptations or traps we can fall into is because of, you know, that have, you know, we, we're old enough to realize no one is black and white, so to speak. We, we, we all have different personality traits. Some are good, or some, are, some we're not so proud of, and some we try to constrain, and so on and so forth. And when we become believers, uh, sometimes we can, it, it can be easy, not, not willingly, but we can think like, uh, you know, what we consider as good characteristics about us, we thinking this is God-given, so we keep them. The bad things, we stay, we, we, we give it to Jesus, you know, okay? But the thing is that it's all of it. I, you know, like, you know, like, I, I don't know if you ever try to testify to people who are so-called nice people. They are so hard to eat because they are so nice. And when we say, I had one, he said, yeah, but I'm not as bad as this guy. And when we, some kind of belly weight, or oh, he needs more. I even was in an airplane once, I testified to a man in the airplane. And then after, I thought I really preached a good sermon. And then he said to me, my wife needs to hear this. <laughs> I was, Your wife is not here. <laughs> okay. But the thing is that Saul here, he did the same thing. He, he, he made he made his own standard of what was good. Do you understand? You know, what he considered good, like, you know, God, didn't, God said to him, has said to him, all of it, King Agag, the king of the Amalekites, destroyed completely. Anything of the flesh, any, you know, but, and it, it's a hard thing that because we have certain images of ourselves that other people have told us, oh, Kurt, you might be good at this, or you might not be good at that, and so on. And if we hold on to the, what other people say that is good about us. And then we try to convert it into some kind of, into our spiritual life. But God says, no, all of it. Why? Because you are not, you know, when you become born again, when I got born again, we, did, we, we, we didn't get renovated. You know, God, the, the blood of Jesus did not renovate us. It killed us. The, the, the crucifixion, it was not just the good, bad part of Kurt who died on the cross. It was all of it that died. And it's very often I see in my own life is that what I consider good in my life that had hold me back to move forward with God. It's not the bad things because obviously the bad things, of course, I can see you see, Pastor Kurt, have you got any bad sides? I'm telling you how long have you got? I can tell you a long list. Okay, but the thing is, it's the good sides that some that 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 deceives me into believe that this is this does not need so uh, you know of course this is not how I say it in in but this is how I try to express so you get the point that that the good sides of me that uh, that that does need to be redeemed by the blood. 
No, we're hoping. And we have to realize when you and I we get born again, we are a new creation. Okay? It's not a it's not something we say in pampering ourselves or comfort ourselves. No, you are a new creation. The old has gone completely. I remember in the, when the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, and, uh, and revival broke out in the former Soviet Union. You no, know, you, you could basically just go over to the Soviet Union, Ukraine, Russia, uh, Belarus. You could just go there and just say Jesus, and everyone just got saved. <laughs> That's when I found out it's not by might nor by power, it's by his spirit. Okay, because when I came back to England and said Jesus, <laughs> when we think I'm swearing, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh, we got saved. And, and, but the thing is that, we are a new creation, and many of so one thing the Soviet Union was very good at, uh, so to speak, was they were very good at when you are a child, they picked you out very very quickly. So if you're good at playing piano, they took you out of your school, put you in a specialized piano school. If you're good at playing violin, they took you out. If you're a good athlete, you know the the come so like this, it was not the parents who brought up the kids, it was the state. Okay. So when the Soviet Union collapsed, all of these things collapsed, of course. But what it was, what it was, there was a lot of gifted musicians, especially musicians. And and what was one of the things that really fascinated me when I when I met these people at that time was that when they got saved, so so one said, oh, but you good at this and you good at that. Can you do this? I said, no, no. They they had caught that revelation that the whole person had died. So they wouldn't. So we, you could have a very good piano player, and we say, "Oh, can you not play the piano?" No, that's the old person that died. I will pick it up again if Jesus asked me to pick it up. And when he did for many, but now when they picked it up, it was not playing in their strength, in their giftings, in their abilities. It was played by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and this is. But they caught this thing where. I am truly, truly, truly dead. And when, when, and when you and I we fight condemnation, when we fight pressure, have you noticed there's always something in the old person the devil refers to? Okay? Uh, but, uh, and because, some, uh, because we've grown up in an environment where so many people have over the years have told you, yeah, but you are like this, or you are like this, and you are like this, and you are like this. And after a while, we start thinking, we are like this. Of course, of course I know I'm a new creation, but there are deep down inside, so the devil comes and stir it up again. And oh no, you are like, no. And that's where we have to have realize uh, we are new creations. We must, anything, anything that the devil talks and points at, you can say to him, it's gone. Uh, so if you want to be dead free, just die. Amen. <coughs> so it's dead free, or not dead free. <laughs> can you imagine if a band comes to your funeral? Mortgage payment. <laughs> no. Once, once you and and the thing is that sometimes our Christian life can be a, like an, a, a a penance for something that we feel guilty about when we had done before we became a Christian. Okay, but you, you but you you are not in debt to the old person. The old person is dead and gone. <laughs> Amen. So. When the devil accuses you, you can just say tell him he's dead. 
Amen. If I cut you out like this, he's dead. And do you know what it is? When he can stir our emotions and when we can feel like that again or so on. No, but we, we, that's why we are not, faith is not moved by the five physical senses. Faith is moved by trust in him. Saul applied his standards of good to the word when God said to him, kill everything. Okay? He, and that's how, so when the, when, 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 when the spoils of the battle have come, he applied his own nature. Mm -hmm. I, I, it was something that Saul struggled with all his life. Remember when he was anointed? There was a group of people they didn't want to hail him as king. Mm -hmm. And when he says Saul kept quiet. Now what he should have done, he should have confronted it. But because he was, and then uh, here later in the chapter, uh, Samuel says to him, you always consider yourself small in your own eyes. Okay? But the thing is, that when you and I, we become believers, we need to consider ourselves. It's so important we realize who we are in Christ. Amen? Because there are so many others who will tell you who you are not. But we, we are moved by what he says. But of course, for what God says to us to have an effect upon us, we need to have a relationship. Okay? You know, like I think uh, the politicians, when I complain about the politicians, I don't think they care. They don't know me. Okay? When I, go, when I sit at home in the kitchen complaining about the politician, he couldn't care less because he doesn't know who I am. Okay? And, and, and the same thing is that, so for, for, for the words to have a powerful impact upon our lives, you need to have a relationship. So if someone you know very well says something bad to you about it, now it impacts you. Why? Not because of the words, but because of the relationship. That's the negative way. But the same thing with the Bible. And I believe we need to preach far more about being born again. Okay? That we need to have that because of... There is a trend where people think they're Christians, but actually what they've done, they have subscribed to the Christian opinions, philosophies, doctrines, just like you, if, uh, if, you, are, if you are agreeing with, uh, with, with labor, for example, when you say, I'm a labor, because I subscribe to the manifesto of labor. And I believe that we, that has sneaked into the body of Christ too, because of Seriously, you cannot disagree with the Bible, really. Of course, there's always some weirdos who say, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe you can steal, I believe you can lie. No, no. Majority of normal people, they, you know, no, I, they will say that they will subscribe to the Bible. But because we subscribe and agree with the Bible doesn't mean that we've been born again. And because we, we and that's where preaching is about Revealing Jesus, not explaining Jesus. Do you, do you understand the difference? Revealing Jesus because so that you have a desire to come closer to him. Like for example, first time I heard a Bible teacher preach, I went home and said to Jesus, please don't come back before I read the Bible. Because he was, you know, the way he shared the word, I was just, I just fell in love with Jesus. And I just, don't come back before I read the Bible. Okay? But the thing is that, uh, so, 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 so it's the relationship that is so important. And the thing is that religion have taught us to be obedient without relationship. That's religion. So, like, if you are Catholic, you have sinned, 
you go you go to uh, to your local father and say, hey, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. It's been a long time since my confession. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, and when you tell all these uh, bad things you've been doing, and if it's me who's on others, I say, don't talk so fast. I need to write it down. <laughs> oh, I asked your person, he said, yeah, what did you say? <laughs> I would have a, I would have a time of my life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you have confessed your sins. I mean, you sold apples, say five Ave Marias and whatever you have to do, okay? And uh, I mean, you think now I'm I'm good, okay? But this is a conduct, okay? So now you are obedient. So you're thinking because I say five Ave Marias because I'm obedient. And, 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 and it's, uh, it's always something that, it's something that you don't naturally want to do when it's, when it's obedient that way. So, so it's so deep anchored in, 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 in religion that obedience makes me do something that I naturally don't want to do. Okay? But uh, so, so it sounds like that God, because you have to be obedient to God. Uh, yeah, of course, God is all powerful. He will smack me if I'm not obedient. So I better do what he says because I don't want to be smacked. And that often becomes the motivation. But that's obedience without relationship. Because when it becomes religious deeds, okay, and that's not what God wants. The reason for why Saul was not obedient to God was because he did not have the heart of God. He didn't know the heart of God. You know, before you can be biblical, so-called biblical obedient, you need to be born again. Because or else it becomes you find your obedience, no, you find your righteousness in your deeds. Okay? But obedience, when God asks you to do something, it's because of God wants you to become like him. And for me, so therefore, he will ask of us to do things. That at the time that we are asked to do it, we won't understand it. Okay? But we're doing it not out of fear, but because we have a relationship with him. That's called trust. So obedience is in biblical terms is really the physical manifestation of trust. And trust is the relationship uh, result of relationship. Okay? Now, we use the word, I, that's why I don't like to use the word faith anymore, because faith means so many things <coughs> now, you know, uh, like the word believe, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then it becomes doubt, okay? Mm-hmm. But, but faith is really trust, trust in him. But we cannot, but we can only trust him if we have been born again, if we have met him. You know, you can, <laughs> you can only trust people you have met. So to speak, now, I know we can, we can say about uh, politicians on TV and say, "Ah, I don't trust him. I don't." Trust him. How do you know? You never met them, okay? Yeah, but they say one and two and another. Yeah, yeah, but uh, who doesn't really? It's not just politicians, really. But we can only trust people that we have met. But because of uh, the, sal- the salvation has not been shared so much lately, it's more about how can I improve? And a lot of the sermons that I got. Where the shared at the moment is really people trying to renovate your old self. Okay, like if you if you are struck with anxiety or whatever it may be, the real solution to it is to realize that person is dead, and now you're believing a lie. 
The devil says you're anxious. No, you're not. That person is dead. Mm. Yeah, but you can feel, no, 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 that person is dead. Do you understand? And uh, so, but uh, so um, anyway, so he, so in verse 10, he says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. Have you ever given the thought of that God repents? Have you ever thought about why, why did God ask Samuel to anoint Saul to become king? Because the people of Israel said, we want a king. And remember what God said to Samuel, it's not you where you're rejecting, it's me. And he said the same to Moses too. And one, one thing is, this is where it's really terrifying. Oh, oh we should have warning signs. Huh? Is that not every answer from God is God's will. Amen. Do you understand? Not every answer that God gives you is his will. But because you have been so persistent in asking for something that you should know was not his will, God will let you have it. But you won't be blessed. Remember when you were in the desert, they want meat. Uh, why didn't we make I, I, I have this cartoon imagination. I can just see, oh, if they want meat, I shall give them meat. <laughs> and then meat stands out all over the place. They don't want to have meat anymore the rest of their life. Okay. Oh, but, but it's interesting that but you will always see an indicator in terms of that it's not the will of God because you're losing the peace. You're losing the joy. Mm. Now, if you know, remember that uh, you can, you can, that can be your homework. But when, uh, when, when, when Samuel anointed Saul to become king, he used a glass bottle. Mm. When he anointed David, he used a horn, goat's horn. What is a glass bottle? It's man-made. Uh, the Saul's, uh, uh, Saul was a result of the man-made will of the Israelites. And you have to understand, God, and you also see some of the nature of God here, God let you make bad choices. Okay? He makes you. He, you know, so why didn't God just stop? Because if you have known him, you should know better. No, if you stand outside the bank, now, now it's no point, but, but, but if you stand outside the bank 20, 40 years ago, say, God, shall I rob the bank? <laughs> <laughs> what are you praying about? Shall I rob the bank? And if you say to me, God said yes. No, you should know better. Actually, can. in Denmark, you can't rob a bank. There's no money in the bank. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I, when I went to Denmark, I, I had some English money, but so I, I didn't want to ch exchange it in the airport. So I thought, ah, oh, well, plenty of banks when I come to Denmark and exchange them, went into a bank. We don't have any money. It's another bank. I couldn't exchange any money. We don't have any kind of it. And most places, we don't even want to take cash, whatever. So so it was just, anyway, it's a, so, but the, so, so, and so, so he repented. 
western when uh, it will uh, and have not performed and has not performed my commandments do you know what is important and this is where we're we, we using the phrase like uh, i did the best i can i did I, I i did it with a good heart or i or i was sincere and from a human perspective sounds like oh, when it's okay but the thing is that it's so important that as in the kingdom of God, it's God who's with yours. You know, like I say, I did, I, I Saul says, I did God's will. I fulfilled what God asked me to do. But Saul saw himself as I'm the one who makes the standards, not God. And I'm telling you, if you learn to live by it's God who makes the standard, you will find many of times in my life, you know, there's been times where um, well, I really thought, oh, this was really bad or whatever. And then God say, let me be the judge of that. Okay? The Apostle Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I let God. So I can feel miserable, but God says, you are amazing. Let him be the judge. Not your emotions, not your experience, not your feelings. We are so good at telling ourselves, I'm good for nothing. I'm just this one of the other. I can't do better. He can do better with me and so on. You know, that is amazing when we first get started in that trail that we can just talk ourselves down and out and whatever, but let God be with yours. But here, Saul, he said, I perform God's will. No, let God say, God is the one. And you know what I find when I say I have done the best that I can? And when I get pushed a little bit, I realize I can do better. Amen? Someone said that we can all do 10 times more than our mom thinks we can do. Okay, because our mothers don't think we do anything. No, we, therefore they have to do it for us. No, we can be pushed. Okay, so he's a song. He says, "I perform God's will." You know, but people say, "How many times people say to me, I've done what God's will.'" And, and when I look at it, I say, "No, you haven't." And and because we are living in a society now where none of us can be instructed anymore. None of us can be corrected because it's my reality. In Christian church, we say, Jesus told me. No, remember every prophecy the Bible says has to be judged by two or three people. Not just say, oh, God showed me, and then when you go ahead and do it. No, it says every, that's why, like, I never prophesy to people in private. Because it has to be out in the open. Because if, you know, I don't want, I've been to conferences and someone sneaks up behind me. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, brother. The Lord has just shown me. And, and you know what? At best, they might be sincere or not, but then it's not the right way to do it. And, and at worst, they are using me to make himself feel good. So they can say, ah, I can hear from God. And, and, and the other thing is with prophecy is every word that you are given, you have to understand, you become accountable for it. That's why that I, I, you heard me say that people, there are things people say they hear from God, God will not tell them. Why? Because they, they cannot be accountable for it. You know, remember Philip had three daughters who, who all could prophesy. When Saul, no, Paul came to their house, and when God sent Agabus, the prophet, mm -hmm. and when Agabus prophesied over Saul, uh, Paul, 
that the man who owns this belt will go in chains to, to Rome, why did he not use the three daughters? Because they could not carry, they could not be accountable. Because of Paul, you know, can you imagine you, Oliver, God told me, God told Oliver, go and speak to Billy Graham and tell him, you're, you're completely wrong, Billy. <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> you can't be accountable for that. Because first, you don't know him. First, you don't want to go where he is right now, do you? <laughs> So if Jesus says, see you soon, <laughs> okay, but it, it, it's so important that, uh, that we, we understand that yes, we are individuals, but we are also a collective. And it's that combination, we need both. We, can, we cannot just be a collective because we are not socialists, but we can't just be individuals because we are, we are not, uh, what, what do we call it, uh, egocentric. We are, we are both. And it's that suspension of combining the two that is so important. Every child needs to know they are important, but they also need to know they are part of something. And if you have siblings, your siblings will teach you that lesson, that you are not the center of the universe. You thought you were the center of the universe, but your other siblings will quickly teach you a lifelong lesson that you are not the center of the universe. They'll say, okay, my sister was good at teaching me that. Okay, anyway. So, uh, so Saul came to Carmel, and no, and, and when Saul, Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place and is gone about and and paced on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. He, he knows he knows the phrases. Blessed be thou of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise praise God. Okay. Blessed thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Amen. I, good you are here, Samuel. I have done everything that I am just amazing, basically. You know. And and Samuel said, What means this? I would love to see this in a movie. You know, I can just say Saul, he's he's standing there, bracky about how to perform the will of God. I mean, you can hear the cows and the sheep in the background, blame or whatever. You know, <laughs> maybe that's a good Sunday school thing. You know, we can do. So, blessed be thou of the Lord. And Samuel, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What means then this bleating of the sheep in my ears? and the lowering of the auction which I hear. And Saul said, they have brought them far from the Amalekites for the people, spared the best, because we are tithing. <laughs> we are giving it. Okay? You know, but I have over the years there have been people who come and said, Kurt, we will give you this amount of money, and so on. And, so, you know, and really, it was not a gift. It was a, a gift there was a trap mm -hmm. so that they could control you. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, mean, I, I didn't experience that because my mother-in-law was in Canada, but my sister, that when, when someone, one of, I don't know, some boyfriend's mom over there had given them a gift or something like that. Every time that 
boyfriend's mom came to her, to my sister's house, the first thing she was looking at were is the gift that I gave him. <laughs> okay, very good. And like, yeah, so 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 we, so 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 Saul really thought I'm helping God. We go and you give it as a sacrifice, and and when Samuel said, uh, I believe, and Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites and uh, to sacrifice, I know of the auction to sacrifice unto the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now you have to understand here is yours. Saul does not understand God. Because he's thinking, poor old God, I better keep, uh, leave him some good sheep. Because he might go hungry. Let, him, let us give him some good auction. Because, you know, poor old God, that's not, you know. It's like when people say, I'm fighting us for Jesus. Oh, now we are all in trouble. Jesus needs you to fight for him. Okay? No, but, you know, he, 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 you know he, he's moving in self-righteousness. But not only that, he's also showing he does not know who God is. I, I need to help God. Uh, that, that was actually how I was in the early days of my Christian life. I used because you don't say that because I'm humble. I, but when I when I got saved, it was something like I can look back at it now and see. Uh, you don't say because you know you're not supposed to say things like that. But I can see my attitude. But God was really fortunate that He got me. Me and God. We are going to do wonderful things, and the emphasis was on me. Okay, Saul, he thought the same. He wanted to help God. Oh, oh. You, you have to understand when you give offerings, when you bring tithe into it, it's not because if you don't do it, heaven goes bankrupt. Do, do you understand? You know, like I, I you know, but it's not like that, you know, but because it's not for God's sake. Because of tithing, offering, whatever it may be, it's an expression of our trust. Do, do you understand? Whatever we do, you know, like if God asks you to do something and you say, I, I'm not going to do it, it's not like that person you're supposed to help or God is going to lose out. It's me who's going to lose out if I'm not doing what God has asked me to do. do you know? Because God. He will find someone else. If you don't want to do it, he will find someone else. You know, Catherine Kuhlman, I don't know if it's true or if it's a good sermon, but, but, it, but the point is the same. But she said that God had called three men to do her ministry before her. But they didn't want to do it. And so so it's, not that, it's not like God lost out. Do you understand? It was these three men who lost out. Okay? So, so, so verse 16, when Samuel said, no, no, sorry, uh, and, and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. When Samuel said unto Samuel, said unto Saul, stay, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this, month, this night. And he said unto him, can you just imagine the suspension? Stay, Saul, and I will tell you. What God has spoken to me, and you have a soul, he's on a high, you know. But I, I kept the best for sacrifice to God, I've done exactly whatever. And and he said unto him, say, and Samuel said, When you were little in your own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel 
the Lord anointed you king over Israel. Do you know what I think actually happened when they defeated the Amalekites? I think Saul was set on destroying everything because he had heard the Lord's word. But the people around him, can you imagine? They say, Saul, you know, these are the best cows in, you know, keep it. Because Saul's issue was he, he had the fear of man all the time. You know, you know the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Okay? But, so, so this is what I think happened, was that Saul wanted to do it, but when he started doing it, people can say, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. You can imagine that, uh, no, like, you know, as I say, you know, you can say many things about the Taliban, but at least they did one thing good, I think. They blew up the Buddha statue. Okay, okay, you must, you can disagree with me, but that's okay. But can you imagine that, that you know, the most precious thing, people think, no, you can't do that. It's, it's too valuable, so to speak. And I think he listened to people. Okay? And I think that is why he said, I performed all the commands. Okay? Uh, and that's why I think Saul, uh, Samuel says to him, you were, when you were little, you were small, you were led by what other people said to you and not by what God said. Okay? But the thing is, they have not heard, it was not the people who have been given the command. It was Saul who has been given the command. It's like, you have to understand, in a family, children are not supposed to correct the parents. You know, when correction goes upwards, it becomes rebellion. Do, do you understand? That doesn't mean that you can't, you know, when I say correcting, you know, it's, it's a spirit, it's an attitude. It doesn't mean that parents, the children can't say, my parents, you did that wrong, whatever. That's not what I'm saying. It's the attitude. Okay? So it was Saul who was supposed to lead the people because he was the king. It was not the people who were supposed to lead Saul. Do, do, do you understand? That's where you, you heard the phrase in English we say this thing that, that it's not you don't always get what you want, but you will always get what you need. And sometimes what we want and what we need are not always the same thing. Have you noticed that? Sometimes it is the same thing, but not all the time. So he said, when you were little in your own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And that's where it's so dangerous to be anointed too early. I can't remember if it's a problem, but it's something in the book of Proverbs that, you know, when God judges a nation, he makes a child become their king. Mm. Do you understand? And if you want, like, because now we're not matured yet. And immaturity makes wrong decisions. I don't know about it. When I was a teenager, I thought I knew everything. When I became old, I realized I knew nothing. Okay? And now, now I know everything. Now I'm old. Now I'm forgetting everything. <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, you'll soon get your letter for dementia from a DP. I got mine. I forgot to turn up. <laughs> so when, when you're 50, you get a letter from a GP and say, could you come and be checked for dementia? I forgot to turn up. 
Da ist er zu jedem Abend fein. <lacht> okay. So, so he said, head of twice, I say, and the Lord sent you on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy your sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Therefore, when this thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but this fly upon this fall and did evil in the sight of the Lord, and Saul said unto Samuel, yeah, I have obeyed. See, he still can't see it. He still can't see it. Yeah, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of, of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But we, now I see verse 21, that's what I said about her before. But the people took off the spoils, sheep and oxen. Can you imagine some of these people around him and now Saul, he wanted to destroy it and they, maybe they were in lack. They wanted the oxen. They wanted the sheep. But anyway, so but the people took the spoils, sheep and oxen, the chief of the, the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearten them the fact of worms. I'm telling you, if they have obeyed, God would have poured out such a great blessing. Okay? He would have poured out such a great blessing upon them that, uh, that there would not be room enough to have it. But because we were moved by this, but because they thought being obedient, God was taking something away from them. They saw the oxen, the best oxen, the best lambs, and everything is taken because we have to be obedient. So they saw God as a taker because they never met him. You know, when God asks you to read the Bible, it's not to take, it's not to steal your time. When God asks you to pray, it's not to steal your time. It's to give you time. Uh, was a pastor younger too who said something like, today I'm really busy, now I really need to pray. Okay, you know, like, but because we very often have this image in our head that God is a taker. So obedience becomes like something forced upon, okay? But it's because we did not have a relationship. The way I see obedience is I see it as an empowerment. Because if I obey or say trust God, what he's saying to me, you know, I can do what God can do. If God tells you to lay hands on the sick and we shall recover and I obey, I can do what God can do. Okay, that's why God wants us to obey. Why? So that we can do what God can do. It's not, to, it's not because of he wants you to, uh, to, to be uh, smaller. It's because he wants you to be elevated. So whenever uh, God asks me to do something, he says, Kurt, do this. I don't understand it. My, my, I can't reason. I, you, know, you, you cannot reason yourself into the will of God. You can only believe or have faith in him. Not faith in what he said, but faith in the character, the person who said it. So God said, you know, when God said many weird things to me over the years, and I, at the time I did not understand it. But I trusted him. And because I trusted him, now my act could multiply into something. 
but my fate was not in so in specific the word he said it was because i had met him and because i know him as a good father he will never ask me to do anything which will humiliate me which will uh, ashamed me so it might look like that right at the process but that's where we cannot understand we trust if you give him something you know that when you give him something away at times you left with nothing you're thinking the first thing you think is stupid why would god ask me to give everything away so that god can fill the empty vessel yes. you know god fills empty vessels Amen. It, it's, uh, but, we, but we can only do that if we have met him because God will never ask you to do anything that will diminish you. You know, as I said so many times, the moment you lose your fa family perspective, you read the Bible wrong. No now I know we're living in a horrible society in this world here, but, uh, but no parent should say anything to a child that decline that diminish them okay i know there's a lot of that terrible things that i don't even want to say but this is the divine order and but god and god will never ask me to do it why why did god ask us to repent why so that we can be forgiven why did why does god ask us to lay down our life so that we can gain life why does god ask us to give so that we can receive why does God ask us to forgive that person who have hurt us? It's not so that you can be free. You know, if we do, you know, I, I learned this lesson a hard way. I used to think when God asked me to forgive, in my head it was like, that means we're getting away with it. No, I, I'm not going to forgive him because it's, in my head it was like, we're getting away. I want them to suffer. But the reason for what I realized was that the reason for what God asked me to forgive. Because if I don't forgive someone who has hurt me, that person carries on hurting me. But by forgiving, I release myself. So the person who has done you wrong, without us forgiving, we, we give them the opportunity to keep punishing us. Okay? And uh, I didn't understand that at the time, and so I had to trust God. So God, I said, God, you said to me I should forgive. And you have to understand, forgiveness is not an emotion. The devil lies to us, so many of us, and say, you haven't forgiven. Yes, you have. Yeah, but you can feel it. You still feel the feeling of whatever. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. But you cannot ask your feeling about if God is here. You ask your spirit. Amen? So he said, he, I prefer sacred, uh, obedience. Why? Because obedience talks about I what, what God is really saying. You don't know who I am, Saul. You don't know who I am, Saul. David, King David knew. Remember, David was not faultless. You know, he made many weird, terrible, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. But God said to him, you are man after my own heart. Notice he didn't say he was a king after his own heart. But he said he was a man after his own heart. Why? Remember when, 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 when uh, was it Nathan uh, who confronted him and... Uh, Actually, we, we, we can carry on reading here. When Saul actually, he wants to repent in private. Could we just, uh, could we just do it privately? <laughs> no, let, let no one know, you know. No, David, when Nathan, the prophet, comes, he just falls to the ground and says, I have sinned. Mm. Why did he do that? 
because he knew God was a merciful God. Amen. And you can only know him as a merciful God if you have known him. You and I know him as a merciful God. Because our journey, our uh, rebirth started with, how did our rebirth start? With forgiveness. With mercy. Amen. We, our starting point is we, we, we gained something that we did not deserve. We got saved from something that we thought we couldn't be saved from. So our starting point is mercy. Okay? And therefore, and, 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 that's, and it's, that's the foundation of obedience. If you try to be obedient without knowing that, when, when it becomes legalistic and it becomes lifeless, and you will feel God always taking things away from you. That's why you hear, man, you need to repent. You need to repent. And you need to do this kind of your, and, 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 man, I do it with a sincere heart. But what it is that it, it, it does not gain you. It does not add to your life. And God is all about adding. You know, we had, before we got saved, we had a, you know, we, if we lived 80, 90 years old, we lived a good long life and so on. Okay. But, when we laid down our life, what did we receive? We received eternal life. Amen. When we when we willing to die, we received resurrection life. So and that's we did that we did out of obedience, out of and we, we did that action. We call it obedience because we trust him. And that's why Samuel says that that obedience is better than the sacrifice. <clears throat> Obedience is better than sacrifice. <coughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay? We, I noticed that many people, they're good at sacrificing. Okay? We, you know, you know, we're good at telling, you know, we're good at beating ourselves down. And we're thinking we're more, you know, like in the Catholic Church and there's many denominations really, that if you can talk yourself down, it's nearly considered you are pious. The less you can talk good about yourself, oh wow, he's really a, or she is really a humble person. No, that's not humility, that's religion. Okay, yeah, but I'm so obedient, I'm so sacrificial and so on. Yeah, but God says, I prefer obedience over sacrifice. And many a times, if you've not met him, sacrifice becomes a compensation for what you should have done. Okay. So it's so easy to say, see, I've done this, I've done this, and done this. No, I'm sacrificed, I'm sacrificed. Yeah, but obedience is better. God, is, God doesn't need your sacrifice, so to speak. He, need, he, he didn't send Jesus for you to sacrifice. That was not the aim. He sent Jesus for you to trust him. And that's where, and I was just, you know, like the best thing is, you heard me share it about before, when Matthew was five years old, and when I had this good uh, friends in Denmark, and he was a farmer, this huge tractor, and I remember this farmer, he said to Matthew, as a little boy, would you, would you like to drive that tractor? And the eyes, yes. <laughs> and you know, this is one of these big ones, you know, where you had to climb up the ladder to get up. And I didn't know that farmers, you had to leave your shoes outside. And when you go into a tractor, because there's carpet inside, you know, because, it's like it's same I was told with lorry drivers that the, the lorry drivers we take off their shoes when we drive because it's like a red cabin it's like a whole living room and it's same with farmers anyway and then so Matthew was sitting there on my knees on this friend of mine and then he said to Matthew just do exactly what I tell you to do 
you know, on his own, he could not drive a tractor. But as long as he, could, he will trust what my farmer friend said to him, he could do what he could do. And that's the saying when we trust God, we are what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be the ambassadors of Christ in this world. But we can only do it if we trust him. So when, when God asks you to do something, don't be, don't be alarmed. Now God is trying to empower you. Amen. He, he wants you to. Now this is what it talks about being living a supernatural life. Is to be living in that obedience. Because every time we do what he says, we can do what he can do in this world. That's why we can be bold saying, if you are ill, come to the church and we can pray for you. That's why we can be bold to say, if you are a sinner, come to the church or come to, and you can be saved. That's why that we can be bold to say that if you if you if you struck with uh, uh, with sin and whatever, uh, you can come and receive forgiveness. Because the Bible says, he who we forgives, God will forgive. Amen. So if you walk the bank, just come to me, pay your tithes, and I will forgive you. <laughs> 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 Amen. So, 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 so the essence is here. Obedience is to empower me. Obedience makes me able to be like God in this world. Obedience is founded on relationship, and that's where it starts. <coughs> and the thing is, when we because we we are still, you know, but the problem is we still sometimes we can look at people and say, oh wow, they're really sacrificing, they're really sad. But we don't. Only God knows the heart. Okay, only God knows how. I've seen people sacrifice and sacrifice. You know, I met old Catholic people here in England, and you know, they don't want to have anything to do with the church or anything like that because they grew up in families, they gave everything to the church, so to speak. Because the less you have, the more holy you are, because the church just wanted to get gain all the money, you know, and so on. That's not, no, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. Because it's built upon relationship. You and I, the life lifespan we have left here on this planet Earth here, we are supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. And the way we're doing it is that we walk with Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.